Genesis. So anyway, back to the teams just for a second. <laughs> Genesis 5.22 for PowerPoint. If you serve on a team and you're helping, what that does for you is it you're here longer than just the service time. And you're fellowshipping around the Word. And every man that's out in the parking lot is building a rapport with the other man that's in the parking lot. And they're able to talk with each other. And they're able to stand around and talk about things that are going on with the things of God. They're able to converse about the things of God. You know what? You may need that faith buddy. What got us from where we were to where we are is doing everything we knew to serve God. This is not our church. It's your church and your church and your church and your church and your church. And there should never be a person that comes to the door that's not one-on-one spoken to and somebody say, Hey, it's a great day. You look good today. Because we have heard it over and over and over again. You know, I was down. And I walked through the door and they told me I look good today. Or they told me it was going to be a good day. Or they told me this or they told me that. And that's all that I needed. I I didn't even hear Brother Moore's message because they told me I look good today. (laughs) And sometimes that's all you need. And that is the greatest witness you have. And it's the blessing that you needed to be standing out there in the parking lot. I think every woman should be standing out there beside them. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You know, we're, we're not too important to do these things for God. And the minute that we think we are, you know, Jesus was servant of all. He came to serve. And if we can't serve, okay, I'll quit. Genesis 5.22. It says, everybody have a Bible. If you don't, ushers, see if we can help everybody out. If you didn't bring your Bible today, we'll let you use one of ours, as Keith says, so you can see it for yourself. I want you to see this, if you would. Genesis 5:22. It says that Enoch walked with God. And after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Say this next part with me. And Enoch... 24, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What happens when you walk with somebody? Tell me some things that happen when you walk with somebody. You develop a relationship. You learn from them. You get more like them. What is one of the main things that happen when you walk with somebody? Chuck, come up here. Sure, and I are going to walk together. What's happening? We're going the same direction, aren't we? When you're walking with some things, when you're walking with somebody, you're going the same way that they're going. Enoch walked with God. That meant he was going the same way God was going. Do we want to go the same way God's going? What happened when Enoch walked with God? Huh? What did that last part say? Put it back up there. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not far. 
God took him. Let's read this out of some other translations, and I think this will help you. Genesis 5, 23 in the Amplified. 24 in the Amplified, sorry. And Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. What does it mean to be in habitual fellowship? I'm going to tell you a story about my dad for just a second, what a habit is. Any of you have habits in your life? Okay, 12 people do. My dad and mom smoked most all of my life. And my mom quit smoking. Well, they found out she had lung cancer, and so she quit smoking, which was late, but she did. So my dad didn't say anything to any of us for the longest amount of time, but we began to notice he wasn't smoking. And so finally my mom went to him and said, Bill, how long has it been since you had a cigarette? He said, oh, I guess about a week or two. She said, well, why didn't you tell me you were quitting? Well, I didn't want to tell you in case I couldn't. (laughs) But anyway, my dad, for years, he had smoked since he had been nine years old. And he smoked till he was 60. That's a lot of smoking. And he was a chain smoker. He would light another one before he put the other one out. I mean, he smoked all my life. But when he quit smoking... He always carried his cigarettes in his pocket. And when he quit smoking, I bet it was 10 years after he quit smoking, we would see him doing this. We would see him doing this. What was he doing? Reaching for a cigarette. Just unconsciously, he was just reaching for a cigarette. What are our habits? What habits do we have in our life? What is your first habit when you get up in the morning? <laughs> what, what are your habits? What habits do you... Do you know as humans we develop them? We develop the habits that we want to happen in our lives. We develop, okay, maybe somebody gets up, okay, they stumble to the bathroom, they go to the bathroom, they come back, they get coffee, they do this, they do that. What is the first thing you do? What are your habits when you wake up in the morning? You want to develop a habit of checking in with God. You want to, if you've got to, and I know this is going to sound funny to you, But you want to develop a habit of the very first thing that you do in the morning is opening your eyes and saying, Morning, God. What's up today? In your own language. If you have to put a sign on your ceiling, you know how you sometimes go to the dentist or you go to other places and they've got signs up there on the ceiling so as you're laying there you can see them? You might want to put one on your ceiling that says, Morning, God, or Night, God, to remind yourself that this is your new habit. This is your new habit that as soon as you get up, you check in with God. Because you know what? When you got saved and started living for God, your mind and your body did not change. Your mind and your body will do exactly the same thing it did the day before it got saved, the day after it got saved. 
what has to happen to you is you have to be the one to institute the changes in your life and the habits in your life that you want to carry you a long way. And you have to make the choices in your life that you want to carry you along the way. The habits that Enoch formed in his life was what? What was the the number one habit he had? He walked with God. Now, people say, well, yes, that was Enoch. Okay? Enoch doesn't have all going on in his life as I have going on in my life. If you only knew what all I had going on in my life, you would understand why I can't just spend time with God every day. Well, okay. Let's look at that just a minute. Did Enoch have a microwave? Did he, Enoch have an electric coffee pot? No. Did he have a stove? No. Did he have running water? No. Did he have a bathroom? No. Did he have electricity? No. Are you getting my point? Yes. Did he have a car? No. Did he have any of the modern conveniences you and I have? No. Okay. In saying that, what did he have to do to eat? Harvest it. Cook it. Cook it, kill it, all these things. So for Enoch to have time to walk with God, what he was having to do is all through his day, all day long, I would, it doesn't say it this way, but I would be willing to venture with you that throughout his day, his mind was walking with God. His heart was walking with God. He wasn't just physically doing this number. What he was doing was he was in fellowship with God all day long. In every thought he had, in every move he made, in every decision he made, in every minute that he went hunting, in every piece of animal that he killed or cooked or or whatever he was doing, he was in constant Fellowship with the Father. Now, can we be in constant fellowship if if we're cleaning something, if we're washing something, if we're driving somewhere, if we're doing this or we're... Can we be in habitual fellowship with the Father? Would it change our lives? Would it change who we are? You know, if, if someone were to ask me, and I think I've said this before, what is the most valuable thing in your life that you've learned over the past 30 plus years being in the ministry and serving God? I would say two things. The Word is first place in my life. No book, no person, no anything overrides what it says. And being led by the Spirit. Being led by this in here. Now, the only way, though, that you can be led by this in here is by being in constant fellowship with this up here. The other day, we were driving along. I don't remember who was with me. I I think maybe Rob was with me. We were driving to the hangar. Is that right? Because we had to do something, and I had you with me and uh, a couple of the other guys from Branson, I think. And we were driving along. And Keith had just talked Friday night about the Holy Spirit interrupting them and they got filled with 
the Holy Spirit, you know, I don't know if y'all remember that that Friday night, but he'd gone to Cornelius's and the Holy Ghost fell and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, we were driving along and um, I was telling them what Keith wanted done because he wanted something done that we had to build for somebody else and do some things to minister to somebody. And so we were driving along, it was in the morning, and I was in conversation with them telling them exactly what Keith wanted done in detail. And all of a sudden, I said, I forgot my key. Just out of the blue. Is this correct? Just out of the blue. I said, I forgot my key. Now, that didn't come from my head because I wasn't thinking. I was talking, and there was an interruption to my head. And it was the Holy Spirit. Now, that is a modern-day version of the Holy Ghost interrupted them. The Holy Spirit interrupted us because we hadn't been a quarter of a mile from my house. And I said, we have to go back and get the key. Now, I like that. I like that we didn't spend 30 minutes driving there and 30 minutes back to get the key. And then another 30 minutes back there. That's an hour and a half that I didn't lose of my day that we had a lot of stuff going. Now, how can God do that for somebody? Because I am constantly, I have got, it's like an open door in there. I'm like, okay, God, what's next? Okay, God, every time I'm doing something, it's like in my heart, I have this attitude and position. I'm going. Every five seconds. I trained myself that way around Brother Hagen because he was constantly needing things and I didn't want him to have to think about him with the services he had going. I wanted to think about him for him in advance so he didn't have to think about the natural things. He could think about the spiritual things. So I constantly got in the habit of what do they need? What are they doing? How can I help them? How can I avoid him having to think about it? What does mom need? And I did that for decades. I constantly was checking inside me, habitually walking with God, saying, God, what is it? What what do they want? What do they need? And I've told the guys that work around me, I said, set an alarm on on your phone. If you forget to do it, if you're forgetting to do it every five minutes, set something on your phone that reminds you, check in with the Holy Spirit. I'm not laughing. That is a habit. You can develop a habit of checking in with the Holy Spirit. You can develop the habit of saving yourself a lot of missteps, a lot of turning around and going backs. You say, why didn't he tell you before you left the house? Probably I was talking too much and moving too fast. But I got still enough and, and was going and driving and talking to where he just said, you forgot your key. We turned around and I told him that. Did I not tell you all that then? The Holy Ghost just interrupted me. Now, any person in this room that's filled with the Holy Spirit can have those very same things happening in their life. And they do. But we should have it on a continuous basis. 
We should, every person that we walk up to, we should kind of have an idea. And a lot of times I do, just because we don't say them doesn't mean we don't know them. A lot of times you're walking up to somebody and you kind of know what's going on in their life. Doesn't mean you have to say, thus says the Lord. (laughs) It just means you just change your tone and you say, you know what? Things can be good. All you got to do is do this, this, and this. You know, I've had troubles with this in my life, you know. And maybe tell them a story or tell them something. Nothing pertaining to what's going on in their life. But maybe you can give them an answer just that quick. That's the witness thing Keith's been talking about. It doesn't have to be, you know, people that I don't want to listen to, tell me if you're the same way. Somebody that comes up to me and says, you know what, I've been praying for you, and God said, da, 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 da. You want to walk away, don't you? You want to walk away. But if somebody comes up to you and they say, you know what, this, you know, this happened to me a few years ago. I was doing this, and I didn't listen to what God told me, and I made a mess of this, you know. And I learned that if I will just do this, and the next time when I did it, it worked great. And you tell a story about yourself. What do they do? Listen, open up. But if you walk up there with this, God said. They just shut you off with some flaky Jake weirdo. (laughs) Because, you know, most of society doesn't believe God says anything to anybody. That's right. That's But you know in your heart God's talking to you. So why do you have to prove it to someone? Are you that insecure that you have to prove to people that God's talking to you? Huh? When people are secure in themselves, they don't have to prove anything to anybody. Their goal is to just what? Help people. That's what our goal is. When we're secure in ourselves, we don't have to go up to anybody and say, God says this. Your life will show if you know God or not. It's like, it's like me being a boss. If I tell Rob, tell Carrie this. And he's so insecure in himself that he has to say, you have to do this because Mrs. Moore said this. <laughs> Does that make him insecure of a person that they won't listen to him? Do you see what I'm saying? If he just says, okay, Carrie, you need to do this. We need to do this. He doesn't have to put a label behind it and say, Mrs. Moore said we have to do this. Why can't he just say, Carrie, we need to do this? That would make him real secure in who he is, wouldn't it? That's the way we have to be as Christians. If we're secure in us hearing from God, then we don't have to prove to anybody that God's telling us anything. We don't have to stand up on on the Bible and say, Thus saith the Lord. We just have to be secure in who we are. God never called us to prove him to anyone. He just told us to be a witness. He didn't tell us to prove him that he was good or he was God or he was anything. He just said, be who you are. Be a witness. So Enoch walked with God. What does that tell me? (laughs) 
tells me something really, really important. Enoch didn't talk much. Huh? No, Enoch did talk to God. But he talked about the things that God wanted to talk about. He talked about things that God enjoyed. He fellowshiped with God. God enjoyed his company so much that he took him away. What about you? Do you think that if every time that you're talking to God, now I'm not going to ask your spouse about this, you're complaining or you're needing something or you're wanting something or you're begging for something, God's going to want to come and habitually fellowship with you? I think he will. Because God already knows what's in your heart. And he doesn't mind talking to us about anything. But at some point in time, we got to just want to hear what he wants to say. Let's read another verse here. The Message Bible says it this way. Enoch walked steadily with God. And then one day, he was simply gone. God took him. Now, this struck me in a different way, walking steadily with God. What does that mean? He wasn't on fire for God one day and cold the next day. He wasn't telling all of his friends about the things of God today and then doing wild things that he knew wasn't God the next day. He was consistent with God. You know the thing that I get tickled about, and I know everybody got quiet all of a sudden, but anyway, think about this. Before you were saved, I want ten people to tell me why you got saved. Why did you get saved? Reality. Why did you get saved? Huh? Needed help. Crisis. Couldn't stop drinking. Needed a friend. Huh? Wanted to be loved. To miss hell. Afraid. Daddy raised you that way. Okay. All these things were that you were trying to get away from something bad mostly, right? Is the reason most people got saved. And when they got saved, if you're like me, you went, pardon my southern colloquial expression, whole hog for God. Is that right? But that's taken you a little time to where you're going back into what you were before. You want God, but you want this. You want God, but you want this. And you know what? God doesn't work that way. You can't have one hand on all that mess you were in and have God. Because that mess you were in is what got you saved. And what got you in the whatever, drinking, drugs, whatever that you wanted to get out of. No love. 
So why does the devil tempt us with those very same things when we're saved? Because they are habits in our lives and to us. So that's why it's like little kids. Little kids, I'm going to tell a story on Janet Parker's little girl. And uh, she's getting married in a few days, so um, she's grown since then. Janet had never let anybody babysit them when they were little bitty kids. And Keith and I kept them one weekend. I don't remember what the deal was. I think her and Skye went on their first vacation to here, to Florida, wasn't it? And uh, so we kept the girls one weekend. And um, she was little. I think, what was she, one? Just started work walking, just barely walking. And um, so I had a plant. I didn't have many plants, so I cherished this plant. <laughs> I don't have a green thumb. But she was one. And this is what she did. She kept going in the living room, and I was in the living room trying to do my work, and she was in the living room. And she would go up to this plant. The, the plant people are going to slap me. But she'd go up to this plant, and she'd pull the leaves off. And she loved seeing them fly. And she'd pull them, and she'd, then she'd watch them like that. And she did it forever. And I'd watch her, and I'd say, no, Jackie, quit. Stop that. And I'd tell her, and I'd tell her, but she just loved seeing them fly. And so finally, she kept doing it to her. That limb was just almost bare. So finally, I went up. I'm not, I'm not looking at Jack, and I slapped her little hand like that. I said, stop, Jack, stop. And so she'd stop for just a second, and the next time I'd turn around, she'd be back over there pulling the leaves off. <laughs> this went on all day long. So finally, this little hand, she's one year old. This little hand was fire red, as red as her pants. Because I had popped it so many times, just like that. Not hard, just like that. So you know what she did? She stopped. No. She used the other hand. And that's the way we are. If something hurts us, we pull away from it enough to get it to keep from hurting us and use the other hand. But we, so finally what I did was I wised up on raising a one-year-old. No, I didn't move the plant. I entertained her with something different. I gave her a distraction that was more entertaining to her than that plant. I replaced that habit of pulling the leaves off the trees with another habit of something she enjoyed more. And that's what we have to do, guys. We have to, in our lives, we are creatures of habit. We are creatures that like to do things the same way. We sit in the same place. We like to see the same things. We like to be the same way. When we get saved, though, we have to change all of our bad habits. God's not going to change them for us. He will direct us, and we'll know something's going to rise up in our heart and say, doesn't it just feel like that? That's just what it feels like. And you know you shouldn't be doing it. So instead of sitting there thinking about it or doing it, find something else God-worthy or good to replace it with. 
Don't try to play the game with your flesh. Because I tell you what, every one of us is just like Jackie was. We will continue to do it till something else distracts us that's more entertaining. Because the devil is the devil of this flesh. He is the devil that can do anything he wants to to our minds and to our flesh. But he cannot do anything with our spirit. And when we make a conscious effort with our hearts to turn and go a different path, and we make a conscious effort with our spirit to say, no, I'm not doing that, I'm doing this, then the grace of God is right there to help you start going in that direction. The grace is there to make you stronger and help you start going in that direction. But you have to make the conscious effort to do it. He's, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He is such a gentleman that he's going to go, eh, eh. Then it's your job to do what? Don't swap hands. Change. Find something that entertains you more. Then you will be steadfastly walking with God. Now let's look at another person here. Genesis 6-9. These are the generations, this is King James, of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Now let's look at Noah for just a minute. What if everybody around you is doing this other thing and pulling the leaves off the trees? If everybody in your whole world says, we are just going to be leaf pullers. But in your heart, you're getting what? Nah. Then that means it's not right for you. Doesn't matter if it's okay for them. That means you don't judge them. You just say, nah. Now, nah. and you follow this in here. Now, you, you think Noah maybe, Noah seems like a good, upstanding man. Do you think he had friends? He doesn't strike me as somebody that's mean and cold and hard. Does he you? So I think he probably had friends. Do you think he had fellowship with these friends? No question about it. Could he convince his friends what he was doing was right? Will you be able to convince your friends what you're doing is right? Is it always important that you do that? What's the most important thing is that you go by this in here. When you get that, nah, you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be hard. You just have to say, you know what? Can we take a rain check on that? And the rain check, it never stops raining. You don't have to be mean to people, but you don't have to go along with what they're going along with. You have to 
guard your life and your heart with all diligence. If you want to hear from God and what I value more than anything else in this whole world is being able to hear from God. Because there's nothing in your life that's more important than that. There's nothing in your life that will save you. Protect, well, we'll get into it here in just a minute. Protect you, heal you, save your kids, save your family, give you direction, make you rich. Whatever you're believing for, hearing from God. But if you're constantly giving in to the Naz, what does that do to you? It makes you not have God habitually on your mind is what it does. We can make it all these other spiritual things if you want to, but when you're constantly giving in to the Naz, you don't have confidence to pull closer to Him. What your confidence does is goes... And it's looking around to see if anybody's noticing that you're doing it. And it's exactly what the devil wants from you. Because if he can put enough naz in your life, you'll be so far back nobody won't even know you serve God. And it seems so little at the time. That's why no one can tell another person what their naz is. Do you understand that? For one, a nah might be watching an R-rated show on TV. For another one, a nah might be going into an XXX shop of some kind. You know your heart. I don't. And it's not between me and you. It's between you and God. God didn't sit, send Jesus here to judge, much less your neighbor or me or anybody else. That's why he gave each of us the Holy Spirit to know how we were supposed to live our lives. I can't stand here and tell him, okay, you have to read your chapter every day. You have to, then after you read your chapter, you have to tell uh, your family you love them and you have to go through this ritual and pray for four hours a day. I don't know what his life consists of. I don't know where his fellowship is with the Father. I do know this. I don't know him at all. Again, I don't know his fellowship with the Father. I do know this, but if he was sitting on his computer at night looking at things he shouldn't be looking at, God might say to him, get rid of your computer. But Pete might be able to have his computer all day long. God might never tell him to get rid of his computer. But to him, his biggest problem is his computer. Now, how would God know that? Because he knows all things. And to somebody else, it might be, turn off your TV, Mike. You just watch entirely too much TV. And to somebody else, it might be, John, clean up your yard. That's not a good witness. God knows the very things that he's dealt with you about. Your wife doesn't know him. Your neighbor doesn't know him. Your husband doesn't know him. Your brother doesn't know him. Your pastor doesn't know him. Unless God gives them a, gives them a word of knowledge to tell you that he doesn't know him. 
But what happens is when you don't habitually and continuously and steadily walk with God and hear what He says, it affects your relationship with Him to hear from Him. It affects your investments in Him. It affects you being able to hear about your kids. Maybe they're about to do something wrong or somebody's about to kidnap them or somebody's about something's going to happen to them or, or you're believing for the right house or the right job. or You know, I don't think it takes forever to get all these answers. But the reason some people can't get answers is because all the while God's saying, Carrie, do this. Carrie, do this. Carrie, do this. And she does this and he goes, eh... And all the while he's saying, Carrie, do this. And she does this. He's nah. How long is it going to take to get an answer that way? And how long can you go on that way? All your life. Look at the children in the wilderness. It wasn't that bad to go over into Canaan's land. But they stayed out there and died. You know, God wants us to be with him. Habitually, He wants us to get answers from Him instantly. But that all depends on us and how we talk to Him. Let's keep going. Noah walked in the Amplified, says the same thing, habitual fellowship with God. So when God told him to build an ark, he wasn't moved by what all his friends said. He wasn't moved by what his neighbors said. He wasn't moved by what the pastor said, by what the, the priest said, by what the custom said. He wasn't moved by anything or anybody. What did he do? How could he possibly, how could he even imagine to know that God told him that? Now, I have a lot of acquaintances. We know a lot of people. I call very few people true friends. In the ministry, we know a lot of people. But there's very few that we call friends. Noah had probably friends. But it doesn't even matter if people are your friends. There, you have one true friend that's going to have your back. He's going to be there to protect you. He's going to be there to lead you. He's going to be there to guide you. So all your friends are buying new cars. And God says to you, wait a year. Is he against you? Is he trying to make you look bad? Why would he tell you that? What if nobody else in the, in the whole wide world is buying new houses because the economy is so bad, bad and God says, go buy that house? How can you be sure God told you that? Because every day, every day, you're fellowshipping with him and you're hearing his voice and you're trying it on little things. And you know, every day when he said, go get that, you forgot your key. I didn't have to wonder and think that I forget my key. I knew instantly. I knew his voice. I've heard his voice decade after decade after decade after decade. 
because of fellowshipping with Him. And it's the same thing with you. Every time you hear something from Him and you prove it out, it just makes you stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger to hear from Him and know His voice. Then you can do what He says. Okay, um, let's look at another one. Uh, 1 Kings 8.25. And I want to get to, the, to uh, a couple of things before we go today. And I think you're going to like them. Therefore now, this is the King James, the Lord, the God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that thou hast promised him, saying, that there shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel, so that thy children take heed in their way, that they may walk before me as thou walked. David, uh, let's go to now 1 Kings 11.4, and you'll put these two together. David walked before God. Did he not? And listen what God said about him. 1 Kings 11.4 For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect toward the Lord, Lord as his God as the heart of David his father was. What makes you want to walk with God? It's not complicated. Why would you want to walk with God? Because your heart is with God. You have a heart for the things of God. Let me give you this illustration. I think it'll make it real clear. Okay, we have a staff. And we, as a church and as a ministry, have a vision as to what God's called us to do. We have churches. Okay? The churches and the staff, if God has called us to do things for Him, and He has placed this vision up here, and we are walking toward this vision... If people have a heart for us, what are they going to do? They're going to walk with us toward this vision. Now, what if they don't have a heart towards us? Back to Noah. Did Noah have friends? Did their heart co- coincide or go for the same things Noah's heart went for? No. Do you see what I'm getting at? If you have friends that you fellowship with and their heart does not follow the same things your heart follows, At some point in time down the road, something is going to happen that's going to cause a division between you. And you need to really, really, really watch which way the division goes. Because if your glass is only a quarter full, you're going to go with their vision. Because that's what the devil's been trying for all along. That's why he put them in your life. 
as much as Noah loved his friends, as much as he probably cried for no telling how long when he closed, that God closed the door on the ark for his friends and everybody, could he save them? Could he help them? People have to have a heart for what you have a heart for. And you can't make people have a heart. They either have it for those things or they don't have it for those things. They either have it for God or they don't have it for God. How would it be if I was married to Keith and his vision was, as it's getting even more to be, very good example. His vision, as you all can tell, is getting more and more and more to get the word out around the world. Get the message into tapes and videos, or I'll say tapes. What is it? CDs, MB3s, eight tracks. Reel to reels. Yeah. Compact disc. Um, cassettes, yeah. Um, and I, as his wife, know that this is his vision. And he's getting this plane. He's got God's put it on his heart. You can tell. You can see it in his face. And I said, you know what? I love you, but that's just not on my heart. Not on my heart. I love the churches. I love the ministry, but traveling. <laughs> What's going to happen between us? What's going to happen? Am I going to be walking with him? Huh? Why? What if I love him? Who's going to give? Who's supposed to give? God told him to get this word out. What if I decide I just don't like traveling? And I use the excuse God didn't tell me to travel. Do you know people are doing that sort of thing every day in their own lives? And they're not understanding why God cannot bless them. God cannot help them. They love God. They call him their friend. But they get to a point to where God says, do this. And they say, God, I like where I am. I like what I'm doing. And he says, go work in the parking lot. And they're like, it's hot out there. My makeup will run. My hair will go flat. Did you know your blessing to get a new car was working in that parking lot? I've been believing God for a car for 20 years and I ain't got one. Why would it be if I stand out there in that heat? God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. What it takes from God 
is that we do things His way. And I ain't seen it yet when I liked him telling me what I was supposed to do. It, it just doesn't happen when you first when you first hear. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm young, you know, very young. But nobody likes being gone from home for months at a time. Maybe you do. I could be wrong. I mean, the last, one of the times we went on a mission trip, I'll tell you a story. You want to hear a good story? I won't even tell you the country we were in. I'm not a big seafood eater. And I know Cajun, I like fresh crab, crawfish, you know, those kind of things. But I'm not a big fish eater. And we went to this country, and we were there for three weeks, I think. We've traveled a lot over the years. And the meetings was, were in the hotel, and they served us meals in the hotel. The meetings were upstairs, and the basement was a kitchen, and they served us all meals there. And there was thousands of people there. And um, every day, the meal included fish. Me and Jerry Savelle are not big on fish. So Jerry was sitting next to me, and we were there. Every day, there was fish. Every day there was fish. One day they served us this lobster thing that we thought would be okay, but it, they cut the shell all up in with the stuff. And every bite you took, you were biting shell. So the last night, I mean, it's been going on three weeks. The last night we're there. And the Bible says, eat what is put before you. So Jerry and I ate it. We turned green, but we ate it. And we were starving because we'd play around with it. We'd put a bite in here, here and there, you know, because everything from the appetizer, everything was fish. And um, so the last night, we got done with the meeting. We were tired. It had been a long all-day meetings every day because when you go to these countries, they want everything that they can get out of you. And they brought out this plate. It was beautiful looking. It had this huge grilled cheese on it. The bread was about this thick. Cheese was just pouring out of the sides. I thought, thank you, God. <laughs> Jerry looked at me. I looked at him. We were smiling. <laughs> we thought, who's going to be the first to take a bite? He looked at me. I took a big bite of it. I kid you not. There was the biggest, hairiest anchovy on that sandwich you have ever seen in your life. I threw up right there. I, I mean, I just lost it right there. And the pastor started laughing his head off. It's like he knew what was going to happen. And Jerry started laughing. It wasn't very funny. And Keith was like, oh, no. You know, and you can eat anything. But it was just after I had taken a bite of it, and it was these hairy things hanging out of my mouth, and it was just like. <laughs> but I prefer, even with that, I prefer no matter what. You think about all the people that got ministered to that week. 
And you think about all the people that got saved. And I think about Moses' wife, Zipporah. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, she got left behind for his whole ministry and all the miracles that he performed. She wasn't there for one of them from griping and complaining. I thought, you are never leaving me behind, buddy. <laughs> Harry anchovy or not. I'm going to be a part of this ministry. I'm not going to miss out on one thing God has for us. Tired, not tired. I had the greatest example set before me. Mom Hagen was, I mean, endured and overcame some of the most miraculous things in her life. And she never missed. And we can be that way, guys. But we have to be steadfast and immovable and have a heart. Have a heart to do what God wants us to do. Have a heart that His things are first. And listen what will happen. Psalms 84. The Living Bible, verse 11. For Jehovah God is our light and our protector. He gives us grace and glory. Read this next part with me. The Living Bible. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk along His paths. Now, who in here is going to walk along his paths? It's not hard, guys. He's not telling you you have to give up your job. That's what I was trying to refer to with Enoch. It's you having a heart to walk with him in everything you do. It's you having a heart to check with him continuously and steadfastly and not try to go back to the bad things and create new habits that take the place of the old ones. And he will give you everything. That you're believing for. Let's read it from some other uh, translations. The King James says it this way. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in thee. The Amplified is really good. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor. You ever need favor? And future glory and honor and splendor and heavenly bliss. Your marriage can use some heavenly bliss? Huh? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts in you, leaning and believing on you, committing and confidently looking to you, and that without fear or misgiving. And the the New Living says it this way, and I really like it. It says, The Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and Glory. glory. The Lord will uphold will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. And verse 12, O Lord of the heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust you. Now, I thought Dan was going to tell part of my stuff because I have Jeremiah in here, so I'm just going to refer to it. He talked about um, those, the man uh, that trusts in the Lord, and uh, he will be blessed, and he's planted like a tree by the rivers of water. That is us. 
And if you are walking along his paths and you're with him, you're not continuously having to seek him for your answers and your blessings. You're planted in that fertile soil. You are planted in that water. You're not having to go to God. That was what I wanted to get across to you about Enoch. We've come all the way back to the start. Listen to me if you've not listened to me all day. Look at me square on just for a second and listen to me. If you are planted and you are living and walking with God, you will never have to seek Him for anything. Does a tree that's planted by the water have to seek the river for the water? Does it automatically come to it? Does it have to seek the sky for the sunshine? Does it automatically come to it? That is you. If you are in the right place doing the right thing, you will not have to seek God for money, favor, deals, things, healing. You will not have to seek God for anything. You will be able to go to Him and walk with Him and fellowship with Him and ask Him for nothing because you will be fulfilled. You will have all you need. Because you are walking with Him continuously. You are in the place you need to be. Your roots are getting water. Your top, your mind is getting filled. Your body is getting healed. Because you are with Him continually. It's when you ignore that gnat and you pull back from your place, you've gotten away from the water. All you've got to do is pull back up to that water. And the sun's going to shine right back down on you. And the water's going to come right in on you. It ain't God that pulled it away from you. It's you that got away from the river. God never pulls anything away from us. He is constantly there. But what happens is we pull away from the river because we ignored the nine. And we're condemned about it. All we got to do is slap the devil in the face, get distracted with something that's God, and get back on the track and get right back up to the river. Don't let the devil condemn you because you pulled all the leaves off the tree. All you've got to do is get right back with him, and the sun's going to shine right down on your head, and the water's going to come up through your feet, and all the things that you need are going to come through your, to your sides. The blessings are going to be there. You will never have to ask God for one thing if you're in the place that you need to be. The blessings of God will just fall on you like cherries off a tree. Can you say amen? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet.